privileged to be able to preach to you today and uh, um, I'm going to continue on from our series of Mark um, and I hope that it will be a message that really encourages you. Um, as you may recall, at the start of the year, on the 12th of January, during our vision series on Planted in Family, um, I preached from Mark chapter 6 about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I didn't realize when it was my turn to preach this Sunday that I would have exactly the same passage in our series on Mark. Um, and as I looked at my notes, I felt God wanted to remind us again that what he was saying to us in January is now having to be applied in this time of the coronavirus lockdown a few months later. Um, and if you recall in October last year, I brought that prophetic word from Isaiah that God is doing a new thing. And little did we know that the whole world would be turned upside down and God is working in ways we didn't conceive of before. And one of those things that God is calling us to is a greater reliance on his Holy Spirit, to see the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst to change lives and to bring his joy, healing, restoration and commissioning. Uh, we are not just called to live in the natural, but be supernatural through the Holy Spirit. And as you may recall, I, I read a short excerpt from a devotional by Paul David Tripp, which I'd just like to remind us of again. He says, I don't know how much you've thought about this, but faith isn't natural for you and me. Doubt is natural. Fear is natural. Living on the basis of your collected experience is natural. Pushing the current catalogue of personal what-ifs through your mind before you go to sleep or when you wake up in the morning is natural. Living based on what the thinking of your brain is and all your physical senses is natural. Envying the life of someone else and wondering why it isn't your life is natural. Wishing you were more sovereign over people, situations and locations than you will ever be, that is natural. And looking for peace horizontally is something that you will never find when actually it's only found vertically, that is natural. Anxiously Wishing for change in things that you have no ability to change is natural. Giving in to despondency, discouragement, depression or despair is natural. And numbing yourself with busyness, material things, media, food or some other substance is natural. Lowering your standards to deal with your disappointment is natural but faith simply isn't natural to us so just with that as a precursor i'd like us to have a look again at this passage in mark chapter 6 reading from verse 30 with some clearer perspective in light of what we started with in january and the context of this passage is that three significant events have been recorded at the beginning of chapter 6. 
And the first part uh, was that Jesus had been rejected by his hometown of Nazareth, Nazareth as a fraud. And he leaves there without performing any miracles. And then the second thing we learn is that Jesus had sent his disciples out on a mission two by two to go and pray for the sick and to cast out demons and to preach the good news of the kingdom. And then just before Easter, you may recall that Ant preached about John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, being beheaded by, by Herod. So these are some of the things that have just happened uh, before this next portion of scripture takes place. So we're reading from verse 30 and it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus must have been emotionally depleted after being rejected by the people he grew up with and then only to be thrust into grief by the brutal killing of his cousin John. And at the same time, he must have been really encouraged by the stories of faith and healing that his friends excitedly relayed to him, but he could also see that they were spent and exhausted after ministering and being on the road for days. So Jesus exhorts them to come away to a quiet place where they would not be disturbed and to find rest emotionally, physically, and spiritually. For those of us who are not frontline workers during this lockdown, we've been given a forced rest from our usual activities and travel and are having to stay at home. And for those who are working from home, or homeschooling children or caring for others, it may not feel very restful. Even if you've been furloughed, rest can feel elusive as you try to find a meaningful structure to your day. Even in lockdown, at a slower pace, we can fill our time with busyness and anxiety. Jesus understood the importance of rest. He knew that it is unsustainable to keep going without taking a break from our usual activities. In lockdown, one day can blur into the other and there are no clear marks to a weekend. And that's when it's good to try and do something on the weekends that make it different to the week. Uh, we've been continuing to do our, our normal Saturday morning ritual of bacon and eggs for breakfast, going for a long family walk in the afternoon and then coming home to our pub a la kitchen table for drinks and playing board games. We all need rest. Work hard, but rest well too. Sometimes the hardest kind of rest is when our minds are anxious and fretful. In Psalm 42, we see King David was going through a tough time when he says, My tears have been my food day and night. 
he acknowledged that he was not in a great place emotionally. Then he says these very powerful words, and they are addressed to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him who is my help and the lifter of my head. If you are self-isolating on your own, maybe you've started talking to yourself. I, I tend to do that sometimes. David was able to stand outside himself and talk objectively to himself. He first of all shows a self-awareness of his state of mind. He is depressed and feeling down and he is unsettled and fretful. He is honest with himself and he acknowledges his state of mind. But then his self-talk becomes the voice of an encourager and he speaks so positively to himself. Come on, David. Uh, remember that God has always helped you and lifted you up when you were down before. You can have hope in this situation because he will be faithful to you again. I promise you, you will come out of this praising God. Just you wait and see what he will do. Part of learning to be a disciple of Jesus is learning to rest, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Jesus was very practical by taking his disciples on a short holiday across the lake to a quiet place. David found rest by harnessing his self-talk and reminding himself to sink back into the secure and comforting arms of his God who was there for him. If you struggle with feeling down and depressed, don't think less of yourself or be unkind and negative towards yourself. Even great men like David struggled like this. But he knew that he would not always be in this place, as he gave himself to realigning his thoughts with God's perspective on things. This week, let's find some time to get away from busy tasks and have a good heart-to-heart -heart with ourselves. Let God's word remind you of his faithfulness. Maybe read the Psalms. They are honest, but hopeful when life doesn't seem to make sense. Come away and say, take some time to rest. And then we carry on reading in our passage, and it goes on from verse 33. It says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. People were desperate to see Jesus. They put aside whatever they were doing and they ran as fast as they could to get a glimpse of him. And when Jesus sees the great crowd of people, it says that he is filled with compassion. And in another version in Matthew 9 verse 36, it says, 
Jesus saw that the people were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. One of the recurring metaphors in scripture is that God's people are like sheep. And in John 10 verse 11, Jesus speaks of himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. When Jesus looks at us in our place of need, when we may be harassed by demands or pressures or uncertainty, he responds to us with compassion. He does not judge us or rebuke us, but responds with the heart of a good shepherd who tends his sheep, feeding them, guiding them, keeping them safe. He is our good shepherd. Jesus was also in this instance, he was modeling to his disciples of the kinds of shepherds or leaders that they should be to others, full of compassion, able to teach and encourage with all grace and wisdom. Notice that before Jesus performed any miracles, he taught them. A good leader always lays down a foundation of biblical truth so that our hearts and attitudes are aligned with God's ways. And then we are able to receive the powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit with understanding and discernment. So we read in verse 35, and it says, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. The needs of the people are now not just for guidance and leadership. They have practical needs for food in a desolate place. And Jesus invites his disciples to take part in a miracle. They have seen him deliver the demoniac, raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, calm the storm on the lake. And Jesus is now inviting them to step out of their natural resources and solutions into the miraculous power of God. But instead, they say, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Or in my paraphrase, Are you serious? Even if we manage to find some food, it would cost a whole year's salary just to pay for it. That's ridiculous and not possible with our means. Jesus, be rational. Even as we've seen Jesus' answer to our prayers before, and we can share about the amazing ways that he has intervened in our lives, so often we can still respond to our circumstances in the present by looking at them in the natural without a clue that actually they are God's invitation to share with him, with him in unlocking his supernatural provision to us. God's inviting us to take part in a miracle. And verse 38 says, And he said to them, 
how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. The version in John chapter 6 verse 9 puts it like this. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus is teaching his disciples here about the supernatural life. First, there is the sober reality check that this is not humanly possible to feed 5,000 people with such meager supplies. Often, when God wants to work the miraculous in our lives, it starts with us realizing that unless God intervenes, there is no hope or way through. Maybe today you feel like the disciples and are asking, how far will this go among so many? What about my job and my income? What about my family's needs? What about the needs for medical supplies in the UK and across the world, especially in poor communities? I know that God has intervened in my life on many occasions. There were times when we started the church and we were worried for our next month's groceries. And then after praying, we received bags of groceries at our front door from people we did not know. We have seen God heal and restore our son from a brain tumor. We have seen him heal our hearts when we were broken and discouraged. We have seen God answer so many prayers in amazing ways for those that we lead. When demands go beyond our natural resources and our limitations and capacity to cope, Jesus calls us to step into the supernatural power of his Holy Spirit who is at work inside of us. He is able to go beyond what is natural and to help us see what he can do when we are in contexts where we are stretched beyond human ability or personal inclination or preferences. What miracle are you needing today? Is it for your marriage or for your children? Is it for your health or your financial security? Is it for the needs in the community around you? Jesus wants us to share in his miracle. And our part is to bring our meager two fish and five loaves and give it over to him and to see what he will do when we trust him. Then in our portion, it goes on in verse 39 and it says, Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples 
to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Jesus responds to this astounding situation with total calm and clear thinking strategy. He's not disordered or panicky. He just gives some simple instructions and performs an astounding, miraculous demonstration of his power by multiplying the simple food to feed the multitude. It is as if Jesus was reenacting the story of Moses when he led the Israelites through the wilderness. Moses instructed the people into groups of hundreds of hundreds and fifties, and he put leaders in charge to oversee them, and they were fed supernaturally by the manna that fell down from heaven each morning. You see, in this instance, Jesus was demonstrating who he was to his disciples. As great a leader as Moses was, Jesus was greater than Moses. Moses shepherded God's people, but Jesus is the good shepherd, the true king who feeds the sheep by his word through teaching and miraculously feeding them physically and who would ultimately lay down his life for them. Every time we face challenges in our lives, we are also being faced with a question. Jesus is asking, who do you think I am? Am I just the one who benignly smiles down on you, or is just a story in a book? Or do you know that I am Lord of the universe, King over all, risen from the dead, worker of miracles, and the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills, Jesus, the Son of God. Next time we face the unexpected, a moment of difficulty we really don't want to go through, remember that such a moment doesn't picture a God who has forgotten us, but one who is near to you and doing in you a very good thing. He is rescuing us from thinking that we can live the life we were meant to live while relying on the inadequate resources of our natural wisdom, experience, righteousness and strength. And he is transforming us into people who will live lives shaped by a radical, God-centered faith. He is the ultimate craftsman, and we are his clay. He will not take us off his will until his fingers have molded us into those who listen to his voice and walk by his spirit and put our hope in who he is. In grace, God grants us to be able to believe and to trust in him. As Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, faith really is a gift from God. 
There is no more counterintuitive function to the average sin-damaged human being than faith in God. Sure, we'll put our faith in a lot of things, but not often in a God we cannot see or hear, who makes promises so grand that they seem impossible to keep. But God gives us the power to first believe, and he doesn't stop there. By grace, he works in the situations, locations, and relationships of our everyday lives to craft, hammer, bend, and mold us into people who build life based on the radical belief that he really does exist, and he really does reward those who seek him. At the end of this time, I would love to, for us now, just to take a moment to quieten our hearts and to pray. And in your heart, I want to, you to just bring to God those things that you need him to bring breakthrough in your life. Those areas that you know that without God, there is no way through. Let's just take a moment now. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Almighty King over all. You fed 5,000 people by supernaturally multiplying a small boy's lunch into 12 baskets overflowing with food. I come to you this morning and I give you my need and I lay my requests before you. I ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would give me faith to believe and give thanks in anticipation of knowing that you will answer my prayer beyond my expectation. Work a miracle in my situation that you may be glorified and everyone would know that you are alive. You are God over all. Amen. Amen. I hope that uh, you've been encouraged today through this message and uh, I really want to ask that maybe some of the things that might have stirred in you through this message, perhaps um, you find that time this week where you can just have that space to quieten yourself before God and release those things to him and raise our expectations together to expect him to do amazing things to do the miraculous and the supernatural in our lives.